Great, wonderful. Well, I'm going to take time to just thank the Lord. You know, we had during the Spanish chapel over 70 adults in here and then lots of children. And we even have folks outside now that are in need of help that are Spanish speakers. And so we're very thankful that the Lord has brought help to this place for people and that it can be a blessing to minister to them. And so I want to just thank God for that. Amen. Heavenly Father, I come in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus, and give you thanks for everything that we experience day by day. Thank you for the food that you brought into this place. Thank you for a, a warm place and the ability to heat this space so that we can come and sit. So I commit our chapel time to you and ask that you'll use it to minister to these dear people. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, if you have a phone, would you just turn it off or turn it to vibrate mode or whatever? And uh, that includes me because um, I don't want to disturb the meeting. I want to jump into where we left off last week. I want to give a review to you, and then I want to reread a text. But I'm going to ask you a question. <clears throat> what if I were to tell you that there is a book, unlike any book, that writes about the future unlike any book, and predicts even worldviews. And I just thought about that this morning when I was thinking of returning to this chapel and continuing what I started last week. We are in Genesis chapters 1 through 11. I'm in a section that deals with the flood. Two chapters given to the creation, three to the flood. It's very important. So it either happened or it didn't. And I mentioned to you that if the flood did not happen, as far as I'm concerned, you can take my Bible, throw it in the trash can. If it's not believable everywhere, it's believable nowhere. And so I'm hanging my hope on this being a revelation from God, and I believe him. I believe it. And I'm going to reread the text from Peter, and I want you to listen very carefully, because this text, written 2,000 years ago, has a time frame that throws events into the future. It uses the term, the latter days. Peter didn't write that this is going to take place during my lifetime. Peter didn't even say it was going to take place very soon. He says that this worldview is going to take place in the latter days. And that worldview is going to impact the way that people look at creation, at Noah's flood, and judgment to come. 
Now listen to what he says. And I want you to feel it. Know this. This is from 2 Peter chapter 3. Actually, let me read the first two verses. This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you, in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. He's saying, I want to stir your mind up. I want you to start to remember what the Lord taught and what his apostles taught. He's trying to stir up their mind in remembrance. And then he says this, know this. First of all, in other words, he says, I want you to make a priority in the way you think about what I'm going to say. Know this, first of all, that here it is, in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust. Mockers will mock. A mocker is someone that hears from the word of God and just mocks it and says, there's no way that this book is true. That is just not so. It doesn't know. And it begins to mock what the book says. We're living in those days right now, that's for certain. But... The mockers will follow their own lust. And that's really what the essence of life is, is that we want to pursue our own desires and our own lust regardless as to whether or not there is a creator that we are responsible to and we could concern, we are, we're, we're, we don't, we're not concerned with what he's revealed to us. We're not concerned. We want to just live our lives our own way and we kind of determine what is right and proper. And, and all that book, it's old-fashioned. It just, it, they'll mock it. But I want you to continue to follow with me. And this is what they're going to say. Number one, where's the promise of his coming? You Christian people talk about Jesus coming again. And in the last day, hey, it's 2,000 years since he was here, and you guys have been saying he's going to come again. See, he never came. Can't trust that book. For 2,000 years, you haven't believed in that book? Well, those people that say that have no idea what else the Bible reveals about that coming. The Bible says there's going to be major world global events that take place before Jesus comes back again. And they're going to be things that people can look at. Matter of fact, the last book of the New Testament is called the book of the Revelation, and it's about the coming of Christ back to earth, and events that are going to take place on this world before he comes. Some of them are pretty stark. And even prophets in the Old Testament were writing about the second coming of Christ, and one of them, Ezekiel, writing hundreds of years before Jesus ever came the first time, puts together in the time of the end a coalition of nations 
names them by name, that will form a coalition and come and attack the nation of Israel in a battle. By the way, not only does it give us the coalition, but it tells us how that battle is going to end. And the word of God says that they will be destroyed on the mountains of Israel. They will lose that battle. And would it surprise you to know that 2,700 years ago, writing, and that prophet uses the term, in the last days. Would it surprise you that he has put the nation of Russia together with the nation of Iran? Can you believe that? And several other nations? And my question for you is this. This is our generation. Is there an alliance between Russia and Iran today, yes or no? Yes. And is there a hatred on the part of Iran for the nation of Israel, yes or no? They're the little Satan. The United States is the big Satan. Now that's in this book. Could you have put that together 2,700 years in the future? Use the expression, the time of the end? No, you can't do that. No human being can. But Peter is writing about the mockers in the last days. Oh, where's where's his coming, that promise? But continue to listen to the mockers. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of the creation. Here is the mocker's world view. All continues just as it has since the very beginning. In other words, they're saying this. You ever use the term uniformitarianism? Anybody even know what that means? And how science approaches the things they're looking at? Well, let me just give you a quick history. Remember I used this, that wall over there as if it were uh, the, the, uh, the side of the Grand Canyon and all those layers of sedimentation are there. It's obvious. You can look at those layers. This sedimentation is global. It's on every continent. Every continent has this. It's just layers of sandstone sedimentation that has hardened over time. And down at the bottom of this sedimentation, they are finding fossils. Animals, dinosaurs, most of the fossils are sea creatures. And they're looking at all these layers and they're saying, you know what? Everything has continued the same way. And so we observe today how the earth with volcanic eruption, how the deltas of, that enter into the sea and soil gets washed onto the sea bottom and it starts to add layers. We get to observe that today. They can measure that today, the rate of sedimentation. They measure that. 
And, there's, and they say, listen, this is how it has always been made. Therefore, this top layer took X number of years to make. And then the layer under it, X number of years to make. And the layer under that, X number, because everything has happened the same way. Nothing has interrupted what we are able to observe today. Our worldview is that what we observe today is how it has always been. That's the worldview of the mocker. And so he looks at all these layers and he comes down here and down here is a layer that is full of dinosaur bones and sea creature skeletons. I mean, we have fossilized, get this, I've seen the pictures of fish eating fish and boom, it was fossilized. Something happened very quickly that encased this fish eating a fish in sand. And so based on uniformitarianism, they'll say, well, listen, that layer, man, that layer's got to be 60 million years old. Are you following me? Are you tracking with me? And that means that then those dinosaurs were on the earth 60 million years ago. That's what the scientists tell us. Oh, excuse me. Not all scientists tell us that, number one. But the mocker says, promise of his coming, throw it out. You say he's going to come and judge, throw that out. Because everyone can see how old the earth is, all these layers. By the way, where did all those layers come from? Did they come from outer space? Did all these particles drift onto the earth? I mean, since the 60 million years ago, the layer that's on top of the dinosaurs, how did it get here? From outer space? And how about the layer above that layer? I mean, like, where did all of this sand and soil that's hardened, where'd it come from? Well, in all honesty, I wasn't here when it was put down, okay? Neither were you. And neither were these scientists who look at all of this and based how things are happening today, they weren't here either when they were all laid down. So the question is, we're all looking at the same evidence. How did it get her? The mocker has a worldview that it's happened the same way since the beginning of time. And yet the word of God says this. For when they maintain this, and they do, they maintain this. This is their worldview. When they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, number one, the heavens existed long ago 
and the earth was formed out of water and by water. That's an expression that we even found in Genesis 1. It escapes their notice that there is a God who has the power to speak and the heavens and the earth were made by his word. That's a possibility. That there is a being who made us and made this earth and made the heavens that are so orderly. There is a common creator because as you look into the heavens, you see same, the same pattern in constellations that he has placed down here on the earth. I've showed you pictures of constellations up there in the heavens that look just like spider webs. And yet you can see a spider web on earth. Constellations in the heavens that swirl like a fern does on earth and a seashell does on earth. The common creator has a pattern in heaven and earth. The evolutionist and uniformitarianism says, listen, there is no God. Just give it enough time and we can explain how it all got here. No, you can't. You can take me back to a slime pit and say out of a slime pit crawled a little one-celled creature and give it enough time and it becomes divided and then the little tiny thing becomes more complex and more complex and more complex. Just give it enough time and it escapes their notice that they have a creator that they don't want to yield to because they want to follow their own lust. Not only do they deny the creation, but the text says, that the world at that time was destroyed, flooded by water. They'll deny the flood of Noah, which the book calls a global flood. And the question I raised last week was, was this flood global or was it local? For those that would agree with the Flood in the book of Genesis, was just a local flood. But that is not true either, because if it wasn't a global flood, throw my Bible out the window. But I can tell you what, and I don't need to be a geologist to understand this. My foster brother is a geologist. But when I look at all the sandstone layers all over the globe on every single continent, I can easily explain why all of these layers are laid down if there was a global flood when the fountains of the deep broke forth and and from the very center of this earth there is forces that are pushing up water and soil and stirring up the very foundations of mountains and hills and for over a year for a hundred forty days and forty nights it is raining yet for a hundred and fifty days the earth is turning and churning and all this stuff gets thrown up in water in water globally And then everything settles for another 150 days. 
And the impact of that flood is so dramatic on this earth that there continues to be tectonic shift and the movement of the earth while those layers have not hardened. They're still pliable, and yet there's evidence that I can look at today. It's evidence in the Grand Canyon that you've got all these layers. Look at this. They're going like this, and then boom, they go straight up. Can you take sand? Can you take sand? And if this is the bottom layer and the heavier stuff settles first, right? And lighter stuff, it just, it, it, it separates. You ever seen this? You ever taken a jar and filled it up with water and put different size soil and sand and tiny pebbles and stuff and shook it up and then just let it settle? What are you going to see? Tell me. Observable science, something you can do. What are you going to see? You're going to see sedimentation, aren't you? Different layers based on the weight of the particles, the kind of particles they are. It's going to settle. And the evidence globally is of a settling sedimentation all over the world. And then there's also evidence that while it, after it is settled, that there's constant movement in the earth and you've got these layers going straight up in the air without any fracturing. That bend was made while the layers were pliable. That's observable science. If that shift had taken place after those layers had all hardened, it would be fractured, right? Can you take a rock and bend it without fracturing? Yes or no? No. But you can take layers of clay You can actually get potter's clay. And you can take potter's clay, lay it down, and then bend it up, right? But if you were to take that same piece of clay and put it through a kiln and put heat on it and pressure on it and it hardens and then you try to bend it, what's going to happen to the clay? It's going to shatter. It's going to break. I mean, come on, common sense, science, I can observe that. But these layers, we see something totally different. They're pliable, and then they're hard. Now they're hard. We can observe that today. The person who says these are millions of years old in between these layers, and it took all this time, cannot explain why they're bent and they're not fractured. They can't explain that. You know what else they can't explain? They can't explain evidence. I've seen it with my own eyes in pictures. I'm going to, Lord willing, someday actually be in front of it and touch it. But they cannot explain how plants, there's a frond. It's like a a big leaf. And that big leaf is going through multiple layers of this sandstone. Oh, I thought it took 10 million years for this layer to be, oh, then another 10 million years for this layer. Oh, another 10 million years. You know, that's, you know, everything's just been happening like it's been happening since the beginning of time. There's been nothing catastrophic that's entered human history. 
Well, then you explain to me how that frond went through so many different layers that were tens of millions of years old. Will a frond do that? Will a plant last that way? Yes or no? Talk to me. No, of course not. That plant after, that frond after a few days is going to do what? If it's not attached to a tree, what's it going to do? It's going to die and shrivel up and bend over, right? So you tell me how this perfectly formed fossilized frond is going through multiple layers of this fossilized, hardened sandstone. Uh, uh, uh. I mean, everything's just been happening. We can measure. Well, of course we can measure what's happening today. But you're willfully ignorant that there is a God who has the power to create with his word and he has the power to destroy with his word and there is judgment to come and that you're going to mock that. And you're going to mock it even though you see evidence to the contrary. Why? Because the human heart is wicked and desperately sick, incurably sick to use the terminology of the Hebrew We can't heal our unbelief and our hardened heart. We need to come to the place where we recognize that there is a God in heaven that has made heaven and earth and made us, created us in his own image. Do you know why we need to show respect literally to everyone on this globe? Because every single one of us were created in the image of our God. I'm thankful for the differences that we have. In our family, I've got three brothers and I, I had two other brothers. There were three of us and, and three, three sisters. All came from the same parents. You put us all together in a picture and we all look different. People don't understand that if they would just begin to believe God and believe the word of God and have the spirit of God change their heart to where they've, they have put their faith and trust in what God has said concerning salvation and reconciliation and a glorious future for the people of God, they begin to look at other people differently. They, ha- they have a biblical lens on, and they're, they're looking at everybody and they're rejoicing in the diversity that God has given heaven and earth. And all the little special things that different cultures bring to our existence as human beings. Think about how diverse the music is in the world. Think about how diverse the food is in the world. Think how diverse the languages are in the world. Just look at all of that diversity and you embrace it and you love it because your heart has been changed and you love your neighbor. But a heart that is hardened and and following its own lust and hates God and hates his revelation, probably is going to hate his fellow man. It really takes a new birth, a new experience to look at people differently where you start to have a love for your neighbor and, and you want to do good to them. 
you know, we do a good job of taking care of ourselves and then God invites us to help take care of one another. But this secular, progressive, evolutionist worldview that denies God, denies his revelation, will mock it, will embrace this type of thinking in the last days. How long has the teaching of evolution been on the globe? A couple hundred years. And they mocked the creation. Up till then, you know, most, most people believed that there was a God that we were responsible to. Yeah. So it's mocking. It's actually a mocking spirit that pushes against God. But I can tell you what. If I will embrace what God has said here, I can look with my eyes to the heavens and earth and see the order, design, intelligent design. I can see that everywhere, and that speaks to me of the existence of a being that's more powerful than I am. It just cries out that there is a God who made all of this, who's extremely powerful, that I'm responsible to, and I need to repent of my, 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 my sinful disobedience to him and embrace my creator and be reconciled to the God of heaven and earth in the way that he has told us in his word, we can be reconciled. Can you imagine having a relationship that's personal with the God who made you and you start to understand how you got here? He puts you here at this time in human history that he made you, you say, uh, now that's how I got here, now why am I here? And you begin to understand that God made you for his glory so that you can live your life in the unique way that he has made you so that you can love other people and show them what God is like. See, the glory of God, God our, this being is holy and righteous and gracious and kind and merciful and long-suffering and loving and tender. I mean, we could just go on and on and on about the things we know about our Creator. And then he says this, you were made in my image. And I want you to manifest this to fellow human beings for my glory. Show them who I am. That's what God does. When you come to him, his way, and he gives you a new heart and a new life and a new start, when you understand the forgiveness that he, some of you, I, I feel for you because you're carrying, you've carried all your life a heavy weight and burden of your own sin and your own guilt. You know it. You can't dismiss it. You're rolling the dice wondering what's going to happen after you die, and you have no answer for that. You don't know how you got here. You don't know why you got here, and you don't even know where you're going, but your heart is full of fear, and you're fearing death because you don't know what's beyond. Yet the Bible tells us that Christ came 2,000 years ago to deliver us who through fear of death were all our lifetime subject to bondage, being put in bondage by the arch enemy of mankind, the existential threat to all humanity, Satan himself. You come to God, God's way, follow his revelation, you'll discover who you are, why you're here. 
and your passion will be to love your neighbor and share with them how to have a relationship with their creator too. Share with them the best news you've ever heard, the gospel of God. Pointing men and women to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, follow him, follow him. He'll be your Lord and your Savior, your Master, your High Priest. He can take you into the presence of His Father. See, that's my the worldview from the Bible. But the secular progressive worldview will not give you this. And I just beg of you, hear Peter writing 2,000 years ago. This is what the mockers will say. And now they are, and they're dating all these layers and how old the earth is and how old the universe is. Oh, listen, look at these light. These stars are hundreds of thousands of millions of light years away, Bill. Took that long for that far star to get its light back to earth. Oh, So you were there when God made heaven and earth, right? And you totally disregard what he says in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is that before he ever made the light sources, he made light that was hitting this globe when it was spinning, creating day and night. And then the text says, after that, he gathered that light into the light sources. And that light was already reaching earth from the very beginning. Now that's the answer from the Bible. And you can't tell me that God couldn't have done it that way. Who do you think God is? He's not a man that he should lie. And you can look at the evidence of the global flood. It's staring at you. And the uniformitarianism, looking at the same evidence I am, and he's trying to explain all of these layers and how deep those dinosaurs are and how old this earth is. And he's doing that based on the fact that everything's just continued the same way, continuing now. No, he's ignorant that there was a catastrophic event in world history that created a flood and stirred up all the mud and all the sand and all the rocks and all the mountains for better than a year. This globe went through a flood. And afterwards, you ever heard about the Ice Age? I might address that here in the future. And what that flood of Noah created on this globe. So yes, I close out by saying this. I still haven't gotten to my notes. I looked at the clock, it's time for me to stop. I've got a number of points I want to bring to you about a global versus a local flood and the evidence that we can look at. You say, well, Bill, why is this so important for us to go through the biblical worldview and even discuss the flood, reminding ourselves two chapters on the creation, three of the 11 on the flood. It's a very important thing because you and I can look at that evidence in the year 2023 and know that there is a being more powerful than we are. As we live our little life of 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, and the book says, and how do you know it's wrong? The book says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Do you know there's no judgment? 
I mean, do you know that for a fact? I mean, you know all things. You've lived all of 70, 80, 90 years. Right? Do you know there's no judgment to come? The only reason that I know there's a judgment to come because of this book. It's either true or it's not. And for me, the science, the observable evidence globally cries out for a catastrophic stirring of the foundations of the earth and the rain from heaven. You read how the text speaks of the bursting forth And all of that does explain, does explain the evidence that I see. And the quick fossilization of fish eating fish and fronds through multiple layers is answerable by a cataclysmic flood. And then the ice age to follow You've heard of this. They've got woolly mammoths that were frozen so quickly that what have they found in their stomach? Talk to me. They found food. That quickly. We can look at that today. So my friend... All I can tell you is that my life has been centered on this book. And I view life and everything through the lenses of the Bible. And the greatest hope is his gospel. That you and I can be reconciled to the Father in heaven if we come the way he has revealed in this book. We see a true prophecy today from Peter. In the last days, the mockers will say this, deny the creation, deny the flood. Man, that's our generation. You and I can be reconciled to this God who can create by his word if we come his way. And there's only one way to get to him according to him in this book not by your goodness not by your deeds won't cut it we've got a sinful life we've got a disobedient life but thank God God did something about us and our need for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And he was prophesied in this book. And he died on the exact date that the book said he would die. He was born in the city the book said he would be born in. 
He descended from the family that it said he would descend from. He ministered in the land of Israel and a region in the land of Israel, just like the book said. The way he taught, he taught just like the book said. Thousand years before he came, the very words from his mouth on the cross of Calvary recorded in Psalm 22. I could just go on and on and on. We've got a book that helps us identify the one the Father sent to be the Savior of the world. And if you'll come to him, You'll come to Christ in repentance and faith. If you will humble yourself and acknowledge that you're a sinner, a lawbreaker, a God-hater, and you will humble yourself with repentance and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then the book says God will save you from your sin. You say, how did he do that? Because the Lord Jesus lived a perfect life you and I couldn't live, and God in his grace will allow that obedience of Christ to be put on your account if you put your faith in Christ. His righteousness, counting for me, and then all of my unrighteousness was put on him at the cross, and he paid for my debt. Now, you talk about grace, that's gracious. Talk about mercy, that's mercy. Talk about love, that's love. So what will you do with Christ? What will you do with him? Will you embrace him as Savior and follow him? I never regret the day. I became a follower of Christ. So come to Christ. I invite you to come to Christ. I invite you to go home. The quietness of your apartment. Fall down before your Creator and cry out for His mercy. And tell him that you're receiving his gift of life in Christ. And if you do that, and it's genuine and real, will you come back and let me know that? So that we can help you be a follower of Christ? Or if you want to put your faith in Christ right here in this chapel before you leave, I'm going to stand up here in the front. Matter of fact, is that Pastor Derek back there? I'm going to ask Pastor Derek, too, to just join me up here in the front after this meeting. And if we can help you, that's why we're here. Let's pray. Father, I am thankful that we have this book that only your hand could have given with a message of the kindness of grace and mercy and forgiveness. Lord, so many here are still dead in their sin. We would pray that your blessed spirit would bring life to them. And then in kindness, Father, that you'll draw them to Christ. Show them your Savior, Father. And may they repent and believe and follow him.